It is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA, another glorious day of the World Cup over in Qatar, and we're going to break it down for you over the next hour. And joining me right now, out the out the door, out of the chute, is the great Sebastian Salazar from ESPN. We love him. He's, of course, the host of a brilliant show, Football Americas. If you're not watching that already, you should be on ESPN+. Plus. Seb, thank you so much for joining us. Let's jump right into it. I want to start first with Mexico taking on Poland in the nil-nil draw. It might not have been the biggest surprise game, but for me, we want to talk about El Tri. What did you see about El Tri in this match with the Poles? Well, let's acknowledge kind of the negativity and poor form that the Mexican national team has had leading up to this tournament. So I think in that context, even though it's a scoreless draw, and even though Mexico, like they did throughout qualifying, had a lot of the ball and maybe didn't take advantage of it, it still keeps you alive. And I think that's the most important thing for this Mexican team that, for me, was very unstable coming into this tournament. Had they lost this game, I think it would have pretty much been curtains. The stats are very clear. If you lose your first game, 89% of the time, 90% of the time, basically, you are going home. So Mexico did some things very well in this game, some that you expected them to do, right? I don't think people thought that Poland would boss the ball against Mexico, but I also don't think people thought Mexico would have as clear of a dominance in possession as they did over Poland. That's not a surprise. What was a surprise for me was just how effectively Mexico handled Robert Lewandowski. And beyond that, how good Mexico was on set pieces. If you follow Mexican soccer for the last year or for the last 20 years, you know every set piece is a heart attack for an LTD fan. And after a sequence where there was like, I think, three corners, maybe in the first 15 minutes of this game, Mexico settled in. They really seemed to know what they were doing on set pieces, and Poland wasn't a threat. Really, Robert Lewandowski wasn't a threat, except for the big moment of the match, right? Right on the hour mark, Lewandowski, the guy, gets the opportunity from the penalty spot, and it's just an amazing moment, again, in a World Cup from Memo Choa, a guy who every four years seems to put on a performance that not only makes him a, a hero in Mexico, but makes him, as far as Mexican players, like the casual global soccer fan, I think one of the most recognizable, sure, Hugo Sanchez, Rafa Marquez, Valdemo Blanco, these guys all had, had great careers. Um, but when you talk about straight up World Cup stardom, it's three in a row now for Memo, and, and it's just something that he does on the biggest stage. I couldn't agree more, Seb. I think he's maybe one of the best, if not the best, goalkeeper of all time in the World Cup because of the longevity, too, and doing it multiple times. I mean, you can tip your cap to Oliver Kahn, certainly, for Germany, but uh, Memo's right up there. Hector Moreno and the back line for me, I know it was a bogus penalty against I know he got the penalty called against him. I thought that was garbage. But Hector and the back line, phenomenal Going forward, there was urgency, Seb, but what were they maybe lacking? I know, I mean, I know the usual suspects and everything. Oh, we need to see a striker for Eltry, but still, it almost felt a little like the U.S. team. A lot of want, but just not a lot to really create clear cut chances. Yeah, and I think that's really been the story of Mexico throughout Tata Martino's tenure. I think it's the biggest knock against him. Like, if you actually look at the results throughout World Cup qualifying, they were pretty decent, but there really wasn't outside of maybe a half year or a 60 minute stretch there where you thought, no, this Mexico team looks dangerous. You know, they really look dangerous. Now, I do think a lot of that has to do with Tata Martino's just stubborn insistence on keeping with Raul Jimenez. Look, we all know the player that Raul Jimenez was before he had that horrific injury while playing in the Premier League. 
But if we're being honest, he has not been anywhere close. And I mean anywhere close to the same player since. And so instead of Tata Martino trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do now that I know Raul isn't that guy? He instead just kept going with Raul, going with Raul, going with Raul. And I think it stunted the development of the Mexican attack. He tried Rogelio Funes Mori a little bit during World Cup qualifying, but Funes Mori, for all the success that he had in Liga Mekki, didn't get it done in qualifying. And the player that got to start today, Henry Martin, is the hottest option, right, of the three. He's been playing well for Club America this season, scoring a lot of goals. He does well to bring others into play, but he's not a Robert Lewandowski. He's not an elite attacking player at the world level, right, at the global level. And I think that's really what you're seeing here from this Mexican attack. They have some good players. Alexis Vega is a very good Liga Mexican player, and he played well today. But is he a decisive player at the international level against a quality European opponent like Poland? Not quite. Even a guy like Chucky Lozano, who got himself into some really dangerous positions, couldn't make the final pass to truly capitalize um, on that. So I think when you look at that front three, this front three was supposed to be Chucky, a healthy Tecatito, and an on-fire Raul Jimenez from you know two years ago in the Premier League when he was banging home a goal every week for Wolves. It's not that. It's kind of what's left of that, the shrapnel of what's left of that, and, and kind of all of the plan B. And, and so I think the Mexican attack um, is just right now not in a place where it's creating a lot of chances, and the few chances they're creating, they're going to players who are not clinical finishers. There's not one guy on this Mexican, Mexican team that you can point to and say, you are a clinical finisher. You are the guy that's going to get it done. Yeah, that's very astute from Sebastian Salazar, of course, from ESPN and Football Americas, breaking down El Tri's nil-nil with Poland. How does this set up now? We know the crazy result with Saudi Arabia defeating Argentina. That is really a tough blow for Mexico and Poland. But the draw, as you said, that doesn't really doesn't kill either team. How does this set up for both sides going forward? So we had a huge debate uh, on our show, Football Americas, that uh, you can watch live every day at 4 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. It was actually not just a show. It was a production meeting, uh, and it was getting pretty heated, right? And the question was, is the Argentina loss good <laughs> or bad news for Mexico? And, and I, I, get, I get the point that you say, right? Okay, it's bad news for Mexico because Argentina right now is going to come out into a situation where they absolutely have to win. And you figure that an absolutely desperate Argentina is going to be more difficult to beat than the Argentina that we saw today against Saudi Arabia. Uh, But I actually think this could work out for Mexico because of the schedule and how the schedule kind of laid out in this group. And I'll explain it to you this way. Had Argentina won their first two games, right? When they faced Poland in that third match, with the high expectations that Argentina has for this tournament, they're probably resting guys, right? They're probably getting some guys in who haven't played much. And it's a, it's a game that then becomes more accessible for Poland, either to beat Argentina or to maybe get something off them. Now in that last game, Argentina is going to have to play everybody against Poland. That makes it much less likely that Poland will get anything off of Argentina. What it does open up to is the possibility that this is not just three teams for two spots, or if going into this tournament you thought Argentina was definitely going to win the group, then just Poland and Mexico for that last spot. Now we have to consider Saudi Arabia as a very legitimate threat to get out of this group. Right now, they're the group leader. Here's the thing about Saudi Arabia. They won today. They executed the game plan perfectly. It was not a fluke. They deserve full credit. But they play with fire. That offside trap, the way that they play it, is playing with fire. And in a VAR era, you get a little bit of help, 
right? Like the VAR will bail you out if the guy was actually offside. But go back to that second goal for Martinez, for Lautaro Martinez, that would have made it 2 nothing, and then the other one after that that would have made it 3 nothing. I don't think, I mean, I know it's his shoulder, but for me, that's, that's not offside. If VAR doesn't find an offside there, then Argentina goes up 2 nothing on Saudi Arabia, game set match, and, and we're seeing a very different fail. If Saudi Arabia tries to play that high line against Mexico, it's trouble. It's trouble because Mexico can get in behind. Mexico has Chucky. Mexico has Alexis Vega. Mexico has a guy, Uriel Antuna, who is a absolute legit, like, speed burner guy who can get in behind. So I don't think the matchup against Saudi Arabia, while you might not think it's going to be as easy as it was, I still think it's favorable for Mexico. Um, and they get the point here against Poland. And while it looks like Argentina will come into the second game desperate, my counter to you would be this. I was just talking about it with Steve Nichol, legendary Liverpool player. He says, the Argentina is going to, it's a must win. They're a wounded animal, he says. A wounded animal is one thing, and that's desperate. Desperate does not necessarily make you better. Desperate can mean destabilized. A desperate manager can make a bad mistake. A desperate player can make a bad mistake. And so while Argentina will still be a, he- a favorite, probably a heavy favorite, against Mexico, I think there's an opportunity here for Mexico that they did not see coming. Mexico has a chance when they play Argentina to eliminate Argentina for all intents and purposes from this World Cup. And that is something that should be very, very, very exciting for the guys in that dressing room. Seb, that's fantastic stuff, as always. Sebastian Salazar of ESPN and Football Americas on ESPN+, Plus, as you heard him say, live at 4 p.m. Eastern. You must check out that show. We love talking to you, Seb. As always, enjoy your World Cup experience, buddy. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, my man. Always great to be with you. Glad to join you guys anytime throughout the World Cup. Again, thanks to Sebastian Salazar, who's in Qatar, talking with us here on Road to the Cup. Great stuff. Great insight, as always, from Seb about Mexico and, of course, taking a look at that Group C. Boy, I, I can't disagree with him. Mexico have a real opportunity Against both Argentina and Saudi Arabia. We'll certainly break that down further as the tournament goes along. But I like what I saw out of Mexico in a way that I like what I saw out of the United States for about 80 minutes. (laughs) I told you they're very similar. They can't quite create enough real chances and put them away. That's the problem. Now, I know it looks more glaring because Mexico scored, you know, no goals, and the United States did have that one good opportunity. But they both kind of had a similar game offensively, dominating a lot of the game. And Mexico certainly deserved a result. Wouldn't have been a surprise had they beaten Poland. But they didn't quite get that done, and now work to be done. I hope you had a lot of fun at the soccer watch parties. If you did, let me know about them at Talk Soccer on Twitter, at Talk Soccer. That's me, Dave Denholm, on Twitter. Uh, we had two soccer watch parties, uh, one of them in Covina over at Olo Restabar and uh, one at Biggs in Fullerton on uh, State College. They're still going to do that for all of the L3 group sessions. Don't forget. So coming up on Saturday, the big one, Mexico-Argentina, the first of the watch parties brought to you by ESPN and Estrella Jalisco, ESPN LA. Fieldhouse Restaurant and Bar that's over on, uh, what, Hammer over there in Norco? on Hammer Avenue, and Kelly's Sports Pub and Grill. Write that down. It's 5402 Philadelphia in Chino. So that's your next opportunity to enjoy a a soccer watch party with El Tree taking on Argentina, and what a game that's going to be. And that's all brought to you by ESPN LA and our friends 
from Estrella Jalisco. Still to come on Road to the Cup, we're going to take a deeper look in Group D. That's coming up later on the show. And what a group that was today. Holy cow, Tunisia and Denmark. That was a very good nil-nil game as well. That and so much more. This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. It's Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Denholm with you each and every Monday through Friday for the World Cup in Qatar. And joining us now, he's covering it, doing pre- and post-game shows on Telemundo Deportes on Peacock, is our old buddy Pablo Alsina. Pablo, I want to jump right in with you. Thank you for joining us. You are the biggest Argentina football fan I know. Just give me your thoughts right now. You've had some hours to digest this and, and plenty of time. How are you feeling after that tough loss to Saudi Arabia? Man, I am heartbroken. I'm a bit shell-shocked. However, as an Argentine, as to me, deep, deep down, the 0-0 result by Poland and Mexico kind of like sparked life for me. Um, so that 0-0 score leaves the fate in our hands. Pablo, when you look back at this match, I know it was tough probably while you're actually watching it. You're so into it as an Argentine fan. But uh, I got to say, Saudi Arabia deserved it. They played a good match. This was no fluke within those 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, uh, 100%. But VAR, the VAR, which you hate, I mean, I'm, I'm just so sick of it. You have Lautaro back, but his shoulder is one inch ahead, so they take that goal away. But, man... Hats up to them. They played a brilliant high line. They said either we're going to die or win with that style, and Argentina just couldn't time their runs correct. I, I just can't believe. I haven't even seen an amateur play a team with 10 offsides. Di Maria was outside five times. Lautaro was outside four times. Just a ridiculous, bad, bad mistakes left and right. And then Messi, once again, he puts on the Argentina jersey, and the one shot on goal was a bit weak, and I'm seeing him drill it from a lot further with PSG. Um, and it was just a disappointing game, disappointing game. Once again, the pressure's there for the kid. For some reason, doesn't matter when he was 19 or when he was 23 or now that he's 34. For some reason, it's just not all there when Messi plays for Argentina and we saw it again but credit credit to Herve the brilliant manager for uh, Saudi Arabia just a brilliant game plan and Argentina just couldn't get couldn't get those goals yeah I think you're right that's a very good uh, assessment uh, Pablo we're talking with Pablo Alcina you can check out his pre and post game work on Telemundo Deportes on Peacock he does a great job there covering the World Cup going on in Qatar uh, Pablo, one thing, as you mentioned, Saudi Arabia, a lot of times a team will have a nice game or a nice half like they did. They're, they pressed up high. They pushed into the face of Argentina, as you said. They kept that high line defensively dangerous, but it worked. But they don't finish. Saudi Arabia finished. You know, And any other day, this could have still been 1-0 Argentina. Those were some amazing finishes. And I'll give you a stat that's mind-blowing. Go back and look at Saudi Arabia's last 17 matches. And that's in a bunch of friendlies and a bunch of games against bad teams. In the last 17 games, they never scored more than one goal. Yet they scored two on Argentina in less than 10 minutes. 17 games. But in those same seven, like stretch of 15 games, nobody scored more than one goal on them. So that's how they were going to play. But man, two shots on goal, two cracking shots. Both went in, but Argentina has to respond. I just didn't see the heart. I thought brilliant play by Saudi Arabia, just hitting them, hitting them, hitting them. I thought the referee should have started pulling out yellow cards a lot earlier. He didn't, and that got into the uh, minds of the Argentines, and it was just a, a weak, weak, weak performance. And now it's do or die against Mexico, against a team that always goes 
all out, a team that always shows heart. So if Argentina doesn't step up, it could be bye-bye, baby, after two games, which would be the most tragic ending to Messi's uh, not great Argentina career, but this would just be the final nail in, a, uh, in the coffin, just be a tragic ending for Messi and Argentina. Talking with as diehard a Argentine, uh, Argentina fan as I've ever met, Pablo Alcina, our old buddy, joining us here. Pablo, you did kind of allude to it earlier, a little bit of uh, optimism. Certainly the Mexico-Poland nil-nil was what you were hoping for, what all Argentine fans were hoping for. How does that set up now? I mean, you do say do or die. I guess it's just that simple, really. But there is a pathway, certainly, that Argentina can still go on to glory here. The problem is they face Mexico. Mexico's manager is Tata Martino, who's an Argentine. Tata Martino took Paraguay to the quarterfinals, playing just counterattack, staying solid in the back, and hitting you with fast runs, which is what Mexico's doing under Tata. Now, they don't have the goal scores, but a draw for Mexico would be great. So I expect Mexico to stay back, and they have flyers like Alex Vega, Chucky Lozano on either wing, Raul Jimenez. These are fast, fast guys, and Argentina's back line looks slow against Saudi Arabia. But, again, Argentina has always been the favorite. For the first time in all of Messi's World Cups, they are now counted out. They're counted dead. They're counted the laughingstock, the greatest upset of all time. But who knows? Maybe that's what Messi needed for that final click to to settle in. And these boys, backs against the wall, they're going to fight for their captain. They're going to fight for their country. Vamos, Argentina! baby. I am not only a huge Argentina fan, I am from Argentina and this team has to show more heart. And I'm telling you, if they can beat Mexico, they will definitely beat Poland. But did you see France today, Dave? Did you see France? They lose Benzema. They lose um, Pogba. They lose four other starters and it doesn't matter. They are just machines lying there. And Kylian Mbappe was just brilliant. Didier Deschamps, just a brilliant coach. I'm telling you, if Argentina advances and takes on this France, it's going to get ugly fast. But hey, let's take it one game at a time, beat Mexico. Um, But if we lose to Mexico, my wife's Mexican, and I love Mexican people, and I lived in Mexico for a year, so it wouldn't hurt that bad. But I can't have Argentina (laughs) eliminated. That just can't happen. No, I know you cannot, Pablo. I know you cannot. A, a proud Argentine joining us, Pablo Alcina. Check out his pre- and post-game shows on Telemundo Deportes. They are a lot of fun on Peacock. That's where I'm watching them, of course. A lot of fun. Uh, Pablo, you are a diehard football fan. I know that. What changes would you maybe look to make, if any, really, for Argentina? Now, you can point to it and say, oh, there have to be a lot of changes. Maybe fans are overreacting, potentially. But would you really make a lot of changes for this second match against Mexico? No, fans are not overreacting. It was just a horrible game by Argentina. And the worst part, there was just no no cohesiveness. I saw no passes. The first goal Argentina gave up, Messi lost the ball. It was a mistake by Messi. He dropped way too far back. Why is he even out back there? Why is he dribbling around just pointless? Pointless, bad play by Messi. Uh, I would definitely start Acuna. He came in in the second half. I was yelling, why isn't Acuna in to to begin with as the left back? Because now we have to go offensive. But what Argentina has to do is keep that back line of four staying back because their defense is just poor. They're poor. And they won the Copa America. They beat Brazil by playing smart, staying back. They got a little cheeky, got a little bit confident on Saudi Arabia. 
and they scored on them twice. So against Mexico, you cannot do that. And you have to hope that Argentina scores the first goal because then all the pressure is on Tata Martino and El Tri. And remember, if Mexico loses to Argentina, Mexico is more than likely out of the World Cup as well. So it's just a huge game. But Mexico is playing for a draw or the win. So Argentina 1,000% needs to score first. Uh, Di Maria had a, a, a very bad game. But I'm a Di Maria fan. My co-worker, he was Oh, you got to pull Di Maria. I would not do that. I would keep Di Maria in there. Uh, Lautaro Martinez, I mean, he's the nine that you have to roll with. So I keep that there as well. Uh, Papu Gomez, he's just too small. Um, I thought he was going to be better. He had a bad game. What really hurt Argentina was Lo Celso, the playmaker in the middle. He was that engine. Not a great star, but he kind of held the team together. Remember, Dave, Argentina had gone 36 games in a row without a loss. Their last loss was in 2019. Their last five games, including a 3-0 beatdown of Italy in the Conmebol UEFA Championship match, they won 3-0. Their last five games, Argentina won 19-0 in friendlies. And in the World Cup qualifiers, they were undefeated. They took on Saudi Arabia, ranked 51st in the world. Nobody was expecting this. They got slapped around, and they did not respond. So let's see what happens. But again, Messi with Argentina is not the Messi with Barcelona and league play. He's more like Messi in, in Champions Leagues of the recent years. Just not enough gas in the tank for him to do it all by himself. But he's got to do more, Dave. He's got to do more. He cannot go out like this, Dave. It can't happen. We have to beat Mexico, Dave. <laughs> Pablo, real quick. This is great stuff. I know you believe Argentina can still make it. Of course, they're still one of the favorites. You said France as well, very tough. Uh, any other kind of potential favorites that you see in this field? Oh, man, I love what I saw from England. Yeah, it's Iran, but, man, you have to love 19-year-old uh, Cunningham flying down there. Then you have Saka, who's just so fun to play with that big smile, Buyoko Saka. And I'm from Argentina, and I'm speaking nicely of, of England. So you could imagine how much that hurts me. But I thought they looked real good. Um, I, I'm waiting to see what I see from Uruguay. My pick at the start of the World Cup was, with France's injuries, was Uruguay making it to the final, taking on Argentina. But what do I know? We lost to Saudi Arabia. But quickly, Dave, in a matter of days, LAFC fans, First of all, congratulations for the title. I'm black and gold through and through. But how much did we love and how much do we hate that dang Gareth Bale? I mean, that just broke my heart. And it broke my heart for Walker Zimmerman and the USA. Um, I thought USA looked great. I thought USA is a team, you know, uh, they put up a fight. They should have won that game. They should have gone up 2-0. Had USA won that game, I would have had USA as in there going, watch out with USA getting to the quarters. But now they got to beat England. And I don't see that happening, Man, England just looked too good, too fast, too quick. And you can't roll out Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman there alone in the back and try to stop uh, the Lions. So, But, I mean, I want to see what Belgium does. But so far, France, wow. I know it's Australia, but they just look bigger, faster, stronger. I said it on my show today. France is the perfect combination. They play South American beautiful soccer. They have the size and power and speed of African soccer, and they have the strategy and, and technique and smarts of European soccer of just being in the right places, and they have good goalkeeping. They have it all. France might repeat. Um, je parle français. I speak France, and I hope I'm wrong, but France might do something that nobody's done in a long time. France might repeat as World Cup champs. And hats off to Kylian Mbappé. That kid wasn't nervous when he was 18 in the World Cup, and he's not nervous now in his second World Cup with all the pressure on his shoulders, all the injuries, Karim Benzema out, Pogba out. 
Mbappé says, don't worry about it, baby. I got this. Impressive, impressive what I saw from France. Oh, great stuff. Impressive from Pablo Alcina. That's why we always love talking to my buddy here, Pablo Alcina. Check out his pre- and post-game work on shows on Telemundo Deportes, on Peacock. Pablo, enjoy your World Cup experience. All the best to you and Argentina going forward. And thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. We love you. Dave, call me back after we beat Mexico and after we beat Poland because I'll be smiling and shining and saying, here we go. The boys have confidence. And for anybody that wants to follow me at Pablo Alcina on Twitter and Instagram, Dave, big hugs to you. And congrats once again to LAFC. Let's get the cup again next season. Love the love for LAFC. Pablo, thanks so much for joining us again. Pablo Alcina, always appreciate him. And Argentine through and through, tough day for him. And I appreciate him taking the time after that Saudi Arabia 2-1 win. Coming up, we'll take a look at Group D. Tunisia, Denmark, France, as Pablo was talking about, dominant over Australia. And maybe a little bit more on some of the other games in Group C as well. Still so much to get to. This is Road to the Cup with Dave Denholm on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. I'm Dave Denholm with you. Thanks again so much to Pablo Alcina and earlier Sebastian Salazar, two great guests uh, talking about the games of the day. Of course, we started with Mexico-Poland because we care about El Tri. But the big game in terms of upset, Saudi Arabia 2, Argentina 1. And that just turns Group C on its head. No question about that. What a victory. And as we talked about with Pablo, fully deserved by Saudi Arabia. This was not a game where Argentina had 38 shots, 17 on goal, and maybe the Saudi Arabian goalkeeper, Mohamed Alawais, who had a couple of good saves. Maybe he, he had 20 saves and broke a... No, no, Saudi Arabia got in their face immediately, played that high line, bit them in the rear a couple times, or seemed to, and yet they held to it and held fast, and then it just almost like Argentina just fell apart once they got a couple of more flags. You know, A couple of offside flags really threw off Argentina, and they were good calls. They were offside. They couldn't quite beat the high line. And then Salah al-Shiri in the 48th minute, and then Aldosari in the 53rd with just cracking goals. And again, they were down because of the early PK, which was soft, that Lionel Messi uh, finished. I thought that was a soft penalty call. I didn't want to tick off uh, Pablo too much. <laughs> so I kept that to myself. But it was a soft PK in the 10th minute. Then you're thinking, whoa, Argentina's going to run away and hide. No, Saudi Arabia early in that second half, two big goals. And just that was a difference. Now, Salah Al-Shiri spoke with BN Sports uh, reporter Nikki Crosby after the match. And this is her asking uh, Al-Shiri about this really historic victory. You and your team just pulled off one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history. Tell us how it feels. Um, it feels amazing. I really honestly cannot describe uh, the feeling we are having right now. Um, when you see our fans, more than, I don't know, 50,000, 40,000 just uh, crying with tears, so happy, putting the smile on these faces, making history is something unbelievable. What went through your mind when you scored that goal? Honestly, um, we had a bit of, uh, let's say, a punishment from the coach between halves, and he pulled us back in the game, and we said uh, we have to go out the second uh, part of this game and get back and score, and score as many goals as we can. What does this mean to the Arab world and to the Saudi people, in your opinion? I think that means like uh, you can you can reach your dreams no matter what. It's uh, it's just uh, how you put the hard work in, your beliefs, and everything is possible. 
That is being sports Nikki Crosby talking with Salah Al-Shiri after the Saudi Arabia 2-1 win. And, you know, I, as I say a lot, and I, some people get sick of me saying this, frankly, if you're a diehard listener of what we've done here on ESPN LA and World Football, I keep telling you this. Many of you have kind of come around to it. If you're an underdog, go out and play. What good does it do Saudi Arabia to sit back in an 11-man shell for 90 minutes against Lionel Messi in Saudi Arabia, or in Argentina? Can you occasionally get a result out of that? Yeah. But 99 times out of 100, you're going to get beat. Saudi Arabia decides, you know what? Let's just be faster, tougher, quicker, and get in their face. And oh, by the way, then they finish their chances. Because sometimes this happens where a team will go all out looking to spring that upset, and they just can't quite finish. So full credit to Saudi Arabia. They deserved it. It was not a game that was a fluke. Now, by that I mean the way the game went, it wasn't fluky that Saudi Arabia won. They were the better team on this day. Can they win the group? I guess, yeah. (laughs) You know what? Is it duplicate or is it, uh, I guess, like duplicatable? I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I'm saying. Can they duplicate this against a very good Poland side next and then a very good Mexico team next? It's a tough group. But man, did they turn it on its head with this. And you heard Pablo outline it. Certainly Argentina's not done, but yikes, desperation as Sebastian Salazar talked about. And desperation can lead to desperate things, which can lead to mistakes. And that's maybe what Mexico's hoping for. Can you imagine if Mexico gets the first goal against Argentina? Oh, sweet mercy. You know, Mario, we talked about this yesterday. I thought maybe the Copa America win for Argentina would kind of ease that pressure. But this puts them right back into the hot seat, right? I mean, right back into the burner. Because if they are down in any game going forward now, in this group, right? If Mexico scores first, if Poland, heaven forbid, if somebody gets a 2 0 lead on them, I mean, they could wilt. Like, that is pressure. Yeah, pressure is on for sure. Yeah. But you know what? I think this is the worst thing that could happen to Mexico. I'm frail tree to come out with a draw here against Poland. Now, having to face an Argentina side who who just lost, Argentina is going to come after them. So that's tough for the for the Mexican side. But you know what? Mexico is going to be up for it. They never are afraid of anybody. Oh, so never. It's going to be a good one. I can't wait for that one. I don't care if Mexico thinks they're going to win the World Cup or thinks that maybe they're not that good. They always play a hundred percent and right up to the level of their competition. I mean, we you know even L three fans are kind of. The fans can waver, that's for sure. They, yeah, oh, they kind of know, know this team you know. this time. Da, 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 da. But the players, no. the players are always up for it. They always are up out there thinking they can win. You tell me you've ever seen a Mexican uh, player wearing El Tree's uh, jersey that didn't give 100%. I'll tell you, you're lying. Never. Absolutely yeah. lying. And, you know, again, I, I uh, have no respect for Memo Ochoa anymore <laughs> after what he pulled with LAFC or against LAFC. And, hard to forget uh, it. Hard to forget, hard to that. forget that. But you have to respect him on the pitch. Just uh, right up there with Oliver Kahn for me in my lifetime is the greatest goalkeeper in World Cup history. So you can't take anything away from that. And he saved the point. You know, he saved the point today after a bad penalty call. I thought that was garbage. I thought it was a terrible call. I thought Moreno was so good, and then they gave him that. And then they even went to VAR to check it. Really? Like, come on. To do that, that was just – that was weak. Uh, a weak penalty. But – Kudos to Mexico. They really battled and, and deserved at least a point 
frankly. I think Poland will be fortunate that they got the point, despite missing the PK. It was a great save. And you, usually you, you're going to bury a PK with Robert Lewandowski, but they didn't deserve a win, frankly. Group D saw a couple of interesting matches, too. Tunisia and Denmark. And, you know, people will look at this and think Denmark is you know, dangerous. And Denmark, I'll say it right now. And let me explain it because it's it sounds weird. Denmark might be the hardest team in the world to beat. The way they play, they're very good. And by that, I mean just getting the three points off of them seems to be just about the hardest thing you can do. Now, you can get in a game with them, maybe like Tunisia did, and take it to them. They're not the best team in the world, Denmark. But it's like they, they don't have a terrible day. Even when they don't play great, they're hard to beat. They don't allow themselves too many mistakes. They don't give you too much. Tunisia had, had 13 shots in a game that they really played well, had one shot on goal that Schmeichel made a great save on, by the way. Kasper Schmeichel's a good keeper. They have just a little bit of everything all over the pitch that's good. Like so much, so many little pieces and parts that work for Denmark, just the way they play. They're hard to break down. But also, it's not just that. They don't just come bunker in. They got talent. And I thought Tunisia was really up for it. And, oh, the crowd. Holy cow. You, you, you remember, Saudi Arabia had an amazing crowd behind them. I mean, this is a this is a Middle East World Cup that we're seeing these teams around that area. Now, obviously, Tunisia is an African nation, but close you know, proximity relatively. We saw a ton of Tunisia fans there that were so loud. It's a factor for these teams. Right off. In Morocco, it's going to be the same way you would imagine. Because they're not that far away. Like, people can make that trip. Saudi Arabia, brilliant crowd that really pushed them along. And I thought Tunisia's crowd was fantastic. People do not understand how big of footballing nations Tunisia and Morocco are, by the way. They're just monstrous. They have uh, such a love for the game. Like, most people, certainly in the West here, don't even understand. And uh, Tunisia fully deserved I thought they were the better team than Denmark. It's just that Denmark is hard to beat. And tough to get those three points. It might end up, you know, biting Tunisia in the end that they couldn't get the win because, oh boy, France falls down to Austria, Australia on a brilliant goal in the ninth minute from Goodwin. That was a great finish. Australia was out flying, and it looked like they came to play like, hey, maybe we saw what Saudi Arabia did. Let's go give it to France. Well, France is another story altogether. Uh, Rabio got a goal early, not early, but like. The second, you know, the second goal of the match to kind of tie it, and then Olivier Giroud, who's just unbelievably tough up front, Kylian Mbappe. Oh, he was just shredding that poor left back. Wow, I don't even want to say the name of the left back of Australia because I don't want to like like jump on the bandwagon of that, so to speak. He got destroyed. Now, who among us wouldn't get destroyed by Kylian Mbappe? But man, did Kylian have himself a game. He had a goal, but. It, he was, for me, he was the best player on the pitch, even as Olivier Giroud got two goals, and he was great. France played great. Uh, Australia, they could still get a result or two. I mean, Australia, I'm not saying they're going to get out of the group now at minus three goal difference, but they could still cause some issues. It's just that I think Tunisia, Denmark, and France are just a cut above, and it's just such a tough group for them. So great games there in Group D. We still have more to preview. We've got Group E and F coming up on a big day tomorrow. This thing just keeps rolling on. I love it. It's the Road to the Cup on ESPNLA. It's Road to the Cup on ESPNLA. I'm Dave Denholm. You can follow me on Twitter at TalkSoccer for all the very latest on what's going on with this show, Road to the Cup 
Also, if you miss anything, you can podcast the show and anywhere you pod. And also the ESPNLA app. They've done a great job, by the way, with the ESPNLA app. Very easy to use. Very easy to find the show. Just click on that button. You got all the former you know episodes, the old episodes there. If you want to go back, Stephen Batishore's interview certainly is one that you may want to check out from yesterday's show. That was tremendous talking with Beta about the situation in Iran and, of course, on the pitch for the Iranian national team coming out of the Asian qualifying there. Well, big games coming up in Group E and F. The first one starts 2 a.m. Pacific. Boy, these mornings. Oh, boy. Morocco, it's football. you got to do it. Morocco taking on Croatia in Group F. The other game in Group F is the last game of the day at 11 a.m., but that's a big one. Belgium uh, taking on Canada, our neighbors to the north here in CONCACAF. But let's start with Group E. One of the most intriguing groups in that it seems to me the most unbalanced group out of four teams, right? This seems to be the clearest Germany, Spain, and then Japan and Costa Rica, also fellow CONCACAF uh, neighbor. It, it just seems like Germany and Spain. The problem becomes when you have a group like that, right, it's always that tricky result. What happens if Germany gets a draw against Japan or Spain maybe stubs their toe and Costa Rica pulls out a result? Then everything's in upheaval. When it seems so clear that it would just be like, okay, Germany, Spain, go out and do your business, get three nil wins, three one wins, two one wins, and then just move on. You know, you're just beating, and then you play each other. You see what happens, right? But again, if you stub your toe in these first games, and sometimes first games can be tricky, especially against a team like Japan. I don't think this is a like the the best Japanese side I've seen in the World Cup of late. And but they still can do some damage. They got a lot of players in the Bundesliga, by the way. They're going to be very familiar with Germany versus Japan. Is kind of an interesting matchup that way. Costa Rica, to me, we all love that golden generation, and I mean, nearly semifinals of the World Cup golden is how good they were. This ain't it. They're older. They struggled in qualifying, although they turned it on. And I guess the great equalizer, of course, is. Maybe the best goalkeeper in the world, and certainly the best goalkeeper in the world that hardly anybody talks about in Kaylor Navas. You know, I mean, at times he's, look, on any given day, he's the best goalkeeper in the world. It might not be every day because there are some other great ones too. But he can be the great equalizer, certainly, against a team like Spain. That You know, a team like Spain too, it's not the the Iniesta, Xavi, Tiki Taka, you know, just kill you with all that. That was the type of team that would really keep their opponents around because of the way they played. And it was tricky sometimes for Spain. Like they always were going to beat you 1-0. They were perfectly content. You know, what do they say by, you know, they'd cut you up by a thousand passes or whatever. You know, like they didn't care what the scoreline was necessarily as long as they won. And, and not so much that, but that can also lead to issues if you give up a goal or two that you don't, you know, maybe you shouldn't give up. Then you're kind of having to fight back. But, boy, I think to Spain... Spain-Costa Rica is a tough matchup for Costa Rica right here. This whole group is just brutal for Costa Rica. They just don't they don't really have that, you know, just that cutting edge anymore. They're getting older with some of the key players. I don't see the next generation as quite yet ready to kind of take over. Again, full credit to them getting there. It looked like they weren't even going to qualify. And when you do have Kaylor Navas, that's all I can say. Like, it's possible. <laughs> you can't take anything away from them. But I suspect Germany and Spain will have... Very little issue in this group. Group F, a little more intriguing. Morocco against Croatia in the first game of the day, and then Belgium, Canada. Everybody goes, oh, Belgium and Croatia. 
Yes, Croatia was a semi-finalist, I beg your pardon, a finalist in the World Cup last time, and Belgium was a semi Look, so you could almost look at this, but I think Morocco and Canada can kind of, they can cause some issues here for both Belgium and Croatia on any given day. I think this group is a little bit trickier than people would say. Croatia's got a lot older. Now, that doesn't mean Luka Modric is still one of the better players. He's 37. You know, I mean, this is a not a young team in Croatia. Morocco is going to put be right up in your face and full speed ahead for 90 minutes. Can Croatia weather that will be a key in that match. Belgium-Canada, it's a terrible matchup for Canada. Canada is going to get drilled in this game. But that doesn't mean they're, they're done with this group. Hear me out. I do think the Canadians can rebound. I don't think this whole World Cup comes down to the first game for Canada as long as they don't let it destroy them because I think they can get results from Croatia and Morocco. But my problem with Canada is defensively, I'm still not 100% sold. And I know Alfonso Davies is a great player, but we see teams that have like the one world-class player, Poland, for, you know, and then it's decent players around. That doesn't always translate. Canada's going to need more than Alfonso Davies from a left-back spot. You know, if you're worried about your left-back dominating your the games, that can be tricky. I mean, they have talent, there's no doubt. I'm not saying Canada. I mean, Canada won CONCACAF for a reason. They were the best team in the group or in the uh, qualifying. But I think this first game, they can't panic, even if it goes badly, because Belgium's that good. Don't panic, Canadian fans. You're still going to be in this thing. I don't don't care what anyone says. I think they can do well against Croatia and Morocco in this group. So that's the key. Don't panic. You will be able to, you know, survive that. I don't know if we survive every day with stoppage time not being here. We have to have it, and that's the beauty of it. It's the great segment, and it's the great Mario Reeves, who's host of stoppage time. Bring it to us, Mario. Dave, the fourth official, just put up uh, two minutes on his on his clock. Nice. Here we go. <laughs> what a wild day today in uh, in the World oh. Cup. Man. You got to love the power of the World Cup. Now, this is according yes. to ESPN FC. Saudi Arabia have declared tomorrow a national holiday after beating Argentina. Now, my question to you is, what would the U.S. men's national team have to do in order to get uh, a national holiday here in the States? Well, I think they'd have to win the cup. But the thing is, people would then say, well, the women have won the World Cup, right? And we didn't have a national holiday. So I don't know that you would ever quite get to it yet, like a national holiday. But if the United States, if the, you know, the tension and the stuff built up every round, I think there'd be enough people where the, you know, it would be crazy, of course, if the United States made a final and then, and then won it. I mean, if it would be. Yeah, I've always said it. As soon as the United States wins the World Cup, that is the biggest sports thing Yes, quote unquote thing that has ever happened in the history of sports. Now I know that sounds like, but if the United States, when I shouldn't say if, when the United States wins the World Cup for the first time, it is the biggest event in the history of sport. Okay, it'll change everything, and so that's a that's a holiday. But the thing, the the, the unfortunate thing for the women who won, they were always good. Yeah, right, and it was and it wasn't popular enough at the time. Now the women are immensely popular now. But you know what I'm saying? Like when they first won one, they were always good. And it was, you just can't have a national holiday for that, although the women would have deserved it. I mean, they've won several World Cups. It's just that they were always good and the sport itself just wasn't popular enough. Now it's popular enough. If the men's team, like, could you imagine if they beat a France in the World Cup final, like 2 0 or something? It'd just be insane. So, yeah, that might get it done. I still don't think it, the timing for it 
you probably wouldn't have a national holiday even for that, Mario. But that would be the, the, the only thing maybe that could do it. And uh, it would certainly be an unofficial national holiday. We'd go nuts. There's no doubt about that. Also want to remind you what could get crazy is Saturday, November 26th. We have the soccer watch parties coming back, of course. All L Tree fans, hopefully you enjoyed those today in Covina and Fullerton. Well, coming up, Mexico-Argentina on Saturday. We've got two more watch parties brought to you by ESPN LA and our friends at Estrella Jalisco. The Fieldhouse Restaurant and Bar, 5555 Hammer Avenue. That's in Norco. Or you can go to Kelly's Sports Pub and Grill, 5402 Philadelphia, Sweet K. And that is in Chino. So different areas, of course. Find yourself a soccer watch party for El Tree, Mexico and Argentina. Brought to you by our friends from Estrella Jalisco and ESPN LA. This has been Road to the Cup. Big show coming up tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, you can podcast it. If you missed anything, follow me on Twitter at TalkSoccer. I'm Dave Denholm, Road to the Cup on ESPN LA.